Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to the Thrive Deeper podcast. I'm your humble host, DJ Payne. And if you are joining us for the very first time, thank you so much. This is a great place to start, episode one. Now, if you are a return listener from the podcast that Matt and I did for our local church last year, then it's great to have you on board as well. Now, the concept of this show is pretty simple. This podcast is a companion to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. As you're daily reading through the Thrive notes from Matt Jacoby and the scriptures outlined, you might have questions, you might have thoughts, you might be wondering different things, or a problem pops in your head that you really want to know the answer to. Well, that's what we're here for. We want to know your questions, your thoughts, and take those and discuss them together so we can go deeper into the Word of God. Our hope is to encourage you to go deeper into the Word, to study it and know it for yourself. So we need you to contact us with all those questions that you have, and we're going to let you know how to do that at the end of this show. But right now, let's jump straight into it. Episode one, where Matt Jacoby and I sit down and have a discussion about the book of Ezekiel. What is it all about? This Old Testament prophet that we believe is so crucial to understanding so much about Israel's history, both past, present, and even in the future. So without further ado, this is Thrive Deeper, episode one. Join us after the break. Welcome, Matt. It's great to be with you. Does that? Do you ever get the jokes all the time about welcome, Matt? Being, uh, that, that there's a welcome, ah, Matt. Obviously I'm, not. <laughs> the fact that you went off means that you've never heard that joke before. Uh, <laughs> No, it's it's an obvious one. Is it obvious yes. one? Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, now, Matt, we are. This is launching uh, a brand new podcast for it us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is the um, you know, and we as we're recording, we don't really have a name for it yet, other than something thrive. That's right. Something about thrive. Uh, but this is the podcast where we will be going through the thrive devotional. Yeah. That you write, mm-hmm. um, and looking at what we've just been reading for the last yeah, two weeks. That's right, because there's obviously limited space that I have in the devotional itself, and yeah. I do want to focus on application and that just um, that daily challenge uh, for the day. But yeah. there's so much, you know, the the goal of Thrive is to be pointing people to Scripture and reading the Bible. So, yeah. f- listeners, please make sure that you don't just read what I say. That's yeah. the least important bit. <laughs> read the read the Bible, uh, read those sections of the Bible. Yeah. And the role of this uh, podcast is to help you to understand uh, the Scriptures. That's what Thrive is all about. It's yeah. about pointing us back to Scriptures and help, helping us to understand the message and the content of the Bible. Now, how long have you been doing Thrive for? Many years, yeah. uh, many years. It's been a wonderful uh, process and I, I have actually gotten so much out of doing the process. I mean, working through the Bible and because and, I, I do, I, I write them quite quickly. The research uh, is is another thing, but when I come to writing them, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful reflective 
exercise for yeah. me. It actually, yeah. there've been times, I mean, I can remember times like sitting in random places like aeroplanes and writing something down, the implications of what I'm reading in, let's say, Ezekiel, yeah. and just sitting back and like tearing up at points. Wow. Like wow. where it really hits me because I'm, I'm, I'm writing quickly, but the implications of it. So it's been, I've really enjoyed uh, the process of doing Thrive. At, at this state, you know, for the years that you've been doing it, how many books of the Bible have you, have you broken down in, in Thrive? <clears throat> well, we've done them all. So you have so you have so far gone through the entire Bible. Through yeah, the books of yeah, Bible. we've wow. done the, we've done the whole Bible. So different uh, of our listeners may be picking it up at, at certain points. But yeah, I, I have actually uh, done the whole Bible. Fantastic. And, but of course, I review it. Yes. And, and up, you know, I, I review them each time and and add things and change things. And so, so there's always this process of of refreshing it. Oh, awesome. So I, I'm excited. This is a whole new uh, chapter. Of, it is. Of the, of the I'm thrive, excited. I'm the, very excited. Yeah. Of the whole Thrive process because now we've opened the door for you, and that's you, dear listeners, to be able to be involved yeah. in this process. That's and, right. And not only let us know what you're thinking as you read the devotional, but more importantly, if you go, if, if you're reading through, as you said, Matt, through the actual passages of the Bible and go, hang on, I've got a question about this passage. Matt doesn't cover it in the devotion here, but what about this? Yeah. That's where we want to hear from yeah. you. All right. We're excited. Okay. So we have decided to pick it up. Uh, so it's the first 10 chapters of the book of Ezekiel. Mm. So let's, let's sort of set the scene for who is Ezekiel and what is the book of Ezekiel, you know, type yeah. of thing. So let's, let's go big picture historically. Mm. What, what are we talking year wise and everything like that? Yeah. So, um, we are, uh, around, um, we're, Ezekiel begins writing in five nights to be exact, yeah. around 592. Yeah. Um, because he actually gives a date. Uh, yes, he does. I mean, there are some issues with dating it, but but I think the m- most common opinion is that we're talking about 592. Now, this is a really crucial moment, actually, uh, in the story of Israel. So um, our, our listeners may under- may know that at this point, um, the, the, after David and Solomon, the kingdom of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel split, in, split into two. Judah and Benjamin is in the south. They become known as Judah. Mm-hmm. Um, who are eventually going to become the Jews. Mm-hmm. But in the north, you've got uh, the 10 tribes, which are known as Israel. Yes. That's important because when the prophets, they will address Israel and Judah. Mm. So mm. they're two uh, parts of the kingdom. Now, Israel go astray from very the start. Very quick, very quick, yes. From the start. Yeah. And in, in 722 BC, the Assyrians come in and wipe, uh, wipe out the northern kingdom, yeah. take them into exile. They're never seen of uh, yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, then the focus... Uh, is on uh, is on the southern kingdom. Now they there's some revivals there under Hezekiah, Josiah, but ultimately things go downhill for them as well. Mm. God speaks to them through His prophets. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, the more they go astray, the more God speaks to them. Yeah, funny uh, that this is an interesting because co- often we think, oh, if I'm not going well, God's going to stop speaking to me. No, mm. no, God speaks to you more yeah, actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when we go astray. Now whether we listen uh, is another thing. Well, you see this. Happening, you see it in the Northern Kingdom, uh, a escalation of prophetic activity as things get worse. Mm-hmm. You see that in the Southern Kingdom too, as things get worse, you get this escalation of prophetic activity. And of course, Jeremiah is speaking to people as we move towards 600. Remember, we're working mm-hmm. backwards, we're BC. Mm-hmm. So if we, as we move towards 600, um, there are these warnings 
you have abandoned God. Mm. You're trying to build this kind of kingdom, this mm. sort of worldly kingdom here, mm. and that's not what God's doing. If you don't stop doing that, God's going to rip that, you know, he's going to rip that kingdom uh, down. So um, in 605 BC, the Babylonians become the dominant power in the region after winning the Battle of Carchemish. They come down, they annex Judah. Mm. Uh, the King Jehoiakim at the time, he uh, secedes uh, and um, becomes a vassal king to um, the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he decides, no, God's going to, you know, God's on our side. He's going to help us. He's going to help us build our kingdom. And, you know, but yeah. the prophets are saying, no, no, he's not. I mean, now, when you say the prophets... They're, the true prophets are saying that, like you know. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, yes. Jer- Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah is saying. No, no, this is it. But he, but he's got a whole gang of prophets who are going. No, no. Remember, God said that David, you know, David's throne is going to last, and that's you right. Know, you know, remember what all, all these other things. Yeah. And Jeremiah is like, no, no, this is God's will. Yeah, you know, just give in that's to the right. Babylonians. Yeah, that's right. No, God's not going to follow you around like your genie, yeah. blessing you as you build your kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you've gone astray. That's because you've gone astray, yeah, yeah. and and he is saying no. This is from the Lord. Now yeah. you need to uh, don't don't resist this. Yeah. Don't rebel against the Babylonians. Uh, of course, you got all the other prophets that are saying, "Oh, you know, <laughs> of course, God's going to help us." You know, this yeah, yeah, over yeah. this sort of covenant over entitlement, a misunderstanding yeah. Yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah, of the yeah. covenant of God's commitment. Really, yeah. it's, he's not committed to following us around yeah. while we go where we want. Well, it's he a, calls it, us to follow him, and it's, it, and it's a great. I mean, we're going a little bit back in history here, but it's a great example of what the nature of who our Lord God is because he's like, no, it's all about relationship yeah. and not just a promise on <clears throat> yeah. a paper that was handed down to your ancestors. I'm looking for a relationship from you. Yeah, good point. Because yeah. they thought we've ticked all the yeah. religious boxes. <laughs> now God's just going to bless us yeah. in everything we do. He's going to follow us around. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not the way it's going to work. So um, so the, the, the king rebels against Babylon. Stupid mm. thing to do. I mean, they're a minor kingdom. He, you know, he thinks he's going to get help from, from elsewhere. Um, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, comes back with a heavy hand and uh, puts down this rebellion and takes in, this is in 597 yes. BC. Uh, he uh, takes probably around 3,000 of the leading people. So the nobility of the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those would have been of the priestly sort of class. They tended to be the um, the leading elements of mm-hmm. Jewish society, mm-hmm. including the king. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiachin, who gets taken, uh, and Ezekiel. Yeah. So Ezekiel goes into exile. Uh, into ar- Babylon. Into Babylon. And that's interesting because... God is sending his prophet with them. Now, Ezekiel doesn't begin his ministry until he's in exile. Mm. So what you've got in now that they are going to rebel. Sorry, when you say ministry, just to clarify, his ministry as a pro, as God's mouthpiece, as, as God's he mouthpiece. is a priest and he's known, recognized right. as a well, godly man. Yeah. Well, well, they think actually uh, probably because priests began the ministry at 30. Yes. So they think that actually that was his 30th year because yes. he talks about that. Yes, when yes, he talks yes. about the 30th year. He talks to 30th yeah. year. So, yeah. um, uh, so th- this is a crucial time because what's going to happen as Ezekiel is in exile back in Jerusalem, mm. Jeremiah is speaking to the people, Zedekiah is the king. Now he's going to get it into his stupid head. Mm. 
let's rebel again, yeah. right? Because God's going to help us. Yeah. Jeremiah is there saying, no, no, he's not. He's not going to help you. And uh, But he does. He rebels against the kingdom. And you can imagine mm. Nebuchadnezzar is sick of these people yeah. that just and keep just rebelling. And he comes back and... and, and uh, and they resist. There's a siege for a couple of years, a terrible siege. Oh. I mean, the things that happen. I mean, they, uh, you know, siege in which they're literally eating their own offspring. It's, it's just yeah. the things that are described in, in it's, this. It's shocking in this siege. Um, and finally, the people are worn down with famine and starvation, and it's just carnage. And they break through the wall, and they completely they destroy the city, destroy the temple, and. Um, that's in 586 BC. Now, okay. the first these chapters that we're reading yeah. in Ezekiel right now, just, I before, said, that. I, just before that, yeah. right in between when the first lot have gone in exile, yep. Ezekiel is speaking to the exiles mm. uh, and Jeremiah is speaking to the people back in Jerusalem. Yeah. And, it's uh, in stereo. It's in stereo. Yeah, That's it's, right. It's, it's, yeah, one, one message. It's a to, crucial time, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. An, incre- an incredible time. And because really... The the way that we think biblically, especially in the New Testament, about the Jewish people, mm. this is the real birth of the real Jewish people that we know today. That's right. That's I mean, right. We, you know, historically we go all the way back to, of course, yeah. Abraham, but the traditions and the mindset and this life after yeah. exile, the, all those traditions are coming out of this period now that we Yeah, read. that's right. So really what happens in the exile, it's interesting because it, for them that's a disaster. Yeah. We go into this dark place, but sometimes it's not until you go into a dark place that you begin to see the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the light shines brightly in the darkness. And actually, the one of the big themes in the first chapters of Ezekiel uh, that our readers would have noted is the constant reference to God speaking yeah. and and this recognition that all of the problems up to this point have been caused by the hard-heartedness of the people. That is their refusal to listen to God. Mm. And God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I want you to keep speaking to these people. And even if they don't listen, you keep speaking. Mm. This is God's commitment. I mean, this is beautiful because it's God's commitment to his people mm. that even when we don't listen, God doesn't say, oh, I give up on you. I'm going to stop speaking to you. Mm-hmm. No. Is As he said to Ezekiel, yeah. even whether they listen yeah. Or don't listen. Yeah. You make sure you keep de- you yeah. keep delivering my message. Now we've got a lot here to unpack, you know, and we and we we are setting the context here. And we've talked. I think we've just covered historically, and there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. But we've covered historically what has been going on, and but I now want to ask you, Matt, when you think of in all your reading and studying and digging through all the other studies about the person of Ezekiel, yeah, how would you describe his character? How do you would you what do you think of him? As a, as a, like, if you had to, and again, this is yeah. just your conjecture, I yeah. know, but we sort of get ideas like, uh, when we think of Jeremiah, we just think of misery. Yeah. We just think of sadness and lamentations and everything. And you get mm. that as a voice from, yeah. from what, it, from what you read. When you look at Ezekiel and as you read through Ezekiel and read about him, what, what type of character do you think he is? Well, he, he, he couldn't have been a pushover. Yeah. Uh, because this is a very difficult time. Um, and, but then God says, "I'm going to make you strong, and I make your your forehead harder than theirs." Is yeah, the I love is the, that? You know, I love that. And so, um, you know, you get this sense from what he had to do that he's quite a dour sort of fellow. Uh, 
But that's because of the nature of the prophecies that, that he had had to bring. It's difficult to know yeah. uh, the sort of nature of, of his of his character. Now we know but that he's, he's a deeply we... godly man. Yes. I mean, he's a deeply godly man. This is interesting because. Mm. You know, wasn't didn't everyone go astray? Yeah. Well, if we just go back just a little bit before things really went downhill, yeah. you've got the the um, the kingship of Josiah, amazing revival, in amazing revival, and you think, oh, everything's going to be all right now. But yeah. after that, things go downhill even really worse. quickly. In fact, God said to His people, even though this revival has happened, it's still going to go in exile it, eventually. And you think, well, what was the point of that revival? Well, mm. here's the point, mm. because it had a huge impact, particularly on the young. Men in the court, the young, the, the, the young next priests, generation, the young yeah, priests, the, the priests, and and the young officials and the nobility, um, and this is it was actually during Josiah's time that you have Daniel and Ezekiel mm. as children, really, of Josiah's mm. revival. They are brought up in the in the, court, the royal in the court, courts yeah. during Josiah's revival, and so they are. You know, the seeds that were sown during Josiah's revival really sprout in Daniel and Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah. The uh, And he's a, we know he's a married man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we know that he's been in the line of, uh, you know, that priestly line and, you know, and he starts his ministry in the exile at the age of 30 and... We through through reading the dates for the book of Ezekiel, we know that his ministry lasts at least twenty twenty two years, yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. into his fifties, he's still you know yeah. acting yeah. out all all yeah. of his and and eventually, eventually they would listen. Yeah, you know yeah. because there is a remarkable revival that takes place yeah. in the exile that uh, means that when they come out the other end in uh, five thirty nine BC when they're set free. Uh, they, it's a different. Yeah, they're they're a different people. Yeah, and 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 Ezekiel is laying the foundation. He's laying the foundations for that. Laying yeah. the foundation of this new era that's yeah. coming up. Um, a few little. And again, this is me. I'm the, I'm going to be bringing all the all the rabbit trails and and other little side points here. <laughs> and I love looking. One of my favorite things to do is looking at um different traditions of what they think you know some of the biblical characters were yeah. you know and who they are and ezekiel is very highly esteemed by a lot of different faiths yeah. and religions around the world and of course the jewish people um you know the, you know or the, the the rabbinic teaching about ezekiel one thing that i found was absolutely fascinating is that um they t- they teach that uh the one of the earliest uh philosophers greek philosophers um, Pythagoras, you know, where we get Pythagoras theorem and all the mathematics. As as a Greek, he was he lived at the same time as Ezekiel mm. while this was going on, mm. which blows your mind as yeah. far as context yeah. of history. And they taught, and, and it's common knowledge that he travelled quite a lot in his teaching and everything like that. And they taught that he sat underneath Ezekiel for for a period of time, and Ezekiel shared a lot of his thoughts mm. to this young Greek traveller about God and spirituality. Yeah. And Pythagoras took that yeah. on board with all the other philosophy that he ended up and talking about. It's an interesting theory. Yeah, I I actually like it. I, I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whether it's true or not, yeah, we don't know. If it's not true, it should be true. <laughs> but but I I like it because. Um, Pythagoras had quite a big uh, influence on Plato. A massive. And, uh, you know, Plato argues strongly for a creator god, mm. uh, what, what he called the demiurge. And, mm. and, you know, a lot of people have felt that somehow 
Plato must have come into contact with, you know, with Jewish ideas or, mm. or something. And it's difficult to prove that he did, but maybe, yes, maybe. Maybe, maybe uh, Pythagoras, Pythagoras did. Because it works perfectly as far as the time. We don't have a lot. Again, this is rabbinic teaching and uh, tradition and stuff like that. I love your rabbit trails. <laughs> now, now, broadly speaking, when we look at the book of Ezekiel, it's the, um, you know, the third letter, uh, sorry, the third part of the latter prophets in, in the Old Testament. Yep. It's, I think, the third book in the Latter Prophet section uh, as we look at all the books in the Old Testament like a library on a shelf. Um, Let me just explain that. Yeah, go for it. In, in the Jewish Bible, the former prophets are the uh, historical books and the Latter Prophets are the um, the actually writing prophets. Mm. So uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, yeah. uh, Daniel, and, um, and also the Book of the Twelve, which is the what we refer to as the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, so, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Okay, so, and broadly speaking, as far as the structure of a book, it's sort of in three different sections. We see right at the beginning, um, there's prophecies about Judah and Jerusalem. Yep. Then then God brings Ezekiel to um, prophecies about foreign nations. Yep. And then lastly, we see at the final chapters of the book, it's prophecies about the hope and salvation to come. Yeah. You know, in the future. Yeah. And broadly, I mean, it's not yeah, exactly yeah, like good. that. Yeah, that's, that's a broadly good. speaking yeah. a thing of the, book, of the book of Ezekiel. So in, in Thrive, we've been looking through the first 10 chapters yeah. over the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Um, you know, we've looked at the context here. We need to start right at the beginning in chapter one, the opening vision of Ezekiel. How weird is it? What is going on? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's wheels within wheels, spirits and lightning and faces and what it's, is actually it's, happening? It's almost impossible. It's so bizarre. It's yeah. almost impossible to imagine. Yeah. And and I, I had a look on Google Images to see if anyone had tried to depict it. And Phenomenal. It's, and they're all quite different and they're biz- it's bizarre, bizarre. In fact, it's so bizarre that uh, some pe- – this is a bit another bit of a rabbit trail, but yeah. uh, it has been suggested by some uh, that he what he actually saw was a alien spacecraft. <laughs> In, yeah. in the seventies, that book Chariots of the Gods. Yes, yes, you yes, remember yes, that book, yes. and, and it, it had um, uh, propounded that theory that a lot of those early technologies of, of ancient peoples, yes. like how did they do? The, you know, Egypt, there's yeah, all of those. Egypt, yeah. Well, they say, well, it was uh, aliens came, and, and and they go to Ezekiel and say, well. Ezekiel clearly is seeing an alien spaceship. Well, yeah. look, he's not seeing an, an no. alien spaceship. No, alien, alien yeah. in the sense of it's not human. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's right. it, it, a spaceship, as in it's moving That's in space. Right. But it certainly underscores how bizarre it is. Now, actually, it's bizarre to us, but actually, a lot of the imagery would have been familiar to Ezekiel and his readers because it is a. It's interesting in the way it puts together a lot of elements familiar elements of ancient near eastern iconography okay break that out break that down so please. um uh, symbols you know you have you have composite uh composite figures are quite common in the ancient near east mm. um uh for example in babylon you got these creatures that had that ha- have the he- the body of a lion yes. head of a human with yes. eagle's wings yes 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 okay <clears throat> and 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 often, you know, because a lion was seen to be the strong, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. was the sort of the leader of wild, you know, the head of the wild. Yes. In that sense, the eagle is like the greatest of the birds. You know, the ox is of tame animals. The strength, you know, symbolizes strength. Yes. And then human beings as the, the the noblest of all. So you've got these four creatures. These are the four living creatures. Yes. You know, representing 
<clears throat> representing the sort of um uh the 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 lip you know all creatures in the world in yes, a way and yep. and representing strength and nobility yep. and and there uh, are literally so books that have been written <clears throat> about breaking down what yeah. all of it means so, so it's, yeah so it's, it's basically a mixture of yes. of familiar symbolism uh, of the time so mm. obviously we we just look at it as, as bizarre mm. um uh, but it's conveying ideas through symbols now this is in the in the ancient world this is m- more familiar because symbolism these people thought in symbols they participated in symbols uh were uh, and so uh, communicating in symbols like this is a little bit more familiar uh, yeah. to them but the key ideas here really are god in his strength and majesty mm. um is is coming in power and judgment mm. and um and the wheels these intersecting wheels mm. um which are interesting present this idea of sort of mobility now this is interesting because um previous there was this idea you know god dwells in his temple and there was mm. almost this superstition that surrounds his temple mm-hmm. well what you get i mean god god's leaving mm. That's really in this vision. He's at the threshold of the temple, and he's leaving. Where is he going? Well, yeah. in one sense, he's judging his people. He is leaving. Who are, who are in Jerusalem? Who are in Jerusalem? He is leaving, mm. uh, but he's going to the exiles. Mm. He's going east, you know, mm. to, to be with the exiles. We also get a very heavy concept. There's two other big concepts in chapter one, which is not not entirely new, but is a little bit newish. Is is a God's spirit is really talked about, like the spirit of the, the spirit yeah. and the spirit is mentioned yeah. quite often. And it also says there's this idea of, like you say, mm. mobility, that wherever the spirit wanted to be, yeah. that's where they were. Yeah, that's they, right. They, it was, it, that, you know, it yeah. was everywhere, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And we get this sense of, well, well, this is bigger than just our little hometown. Yeah, there. that is a notable feature, actually, the book of Ezekiel. Yeah. And, and, and you get that right at the start where, mm. It's just a fascinating word. Wherever the spirit yeah. led, led them, that's yeah. where they went. Yeah. There's lightning flashing, so you get this communication, yeah. and it's there, you know, type of thing. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you get introduced like nowhere else, actually, in the Old Testament. In the book of Ezekiel, mm. you get this introduction of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, Ezekiel's going to have a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. He's going to predict a time uh, when God will put his spirit into the hearts of his people. Mm. Um the valley of dry bones in chapter uh, 37, mm. you know, you breathe, God breathes into them and they come alive. Mm. So uh, you're going to see a lot about the Holy Spirit in Ezekiel, which anticipates um, the new covenant because yeah. so much of Ezekiel's ministry is to point them forward to the grander, the bigger picture mm. uh, and particularly the, the new covenant. Yeah, yeah, that's a fascinating. Mm. Again, we could spend all yeah. day talking about <laughs> this, right. but let's let's move on. Um, the next, um, you know, one of the other major points here right at the beginning is, you know, God's commission, uh, you know, to, to Ezekiel, uh, you know, of what to do. And then we get this very graphic, beautiful illustration of the scroll yeah. and Ezekiel having to eat the scroll yeah. to fill himself up yeah. to be able to speak it back yeah. to other people. It's a it's a beautiful image. Uh, it's interesting, first of all, because the sc- upon the scroll are wit- written words of lament, mourning, and woe. Mm. Now, the question is, who's mourning? Mm. Who is mourning? Well, it's God. Mm. This is God mourning over his people. Now, this is important, lest we think that this is just a bad-tempered God who who's just angry. No, actually, this is the grief of God over his people. It's mm. not just 
that he hasn't, you know, is just a bad-tempered deity. This is a loving creator God Mm. who is seeing his people do immense damage to themselves and to each other and undermining uh, what, uh, you know, undermining the plan to be realized through them. So there, there is this grief, uh, and the interesting thing is, he gives uh, Ezekiel the scroll to imbibe, imbibe this message. Mm, yeah. uh, it's not just to be a head that, like, really imbibe yeah. this message, become this message. And we're going to, we're going to see that in different ways mm. he does become the message. Yeah. Uh, and so, but when he eats the scroll, it tastes as sweet as honey. Mm. And I, this is just a wonderful, <laughs> oh, it's so profound that, that he eats well, we, the scroll and it tastes as sweet as honey because God is speaking to his people, okay? Yeah. And and it's, yes, it's harsh words, yeah. but if they are, just receive what God says, yeah. then things will be sweet as honey. It's that there's this, this offer of grace in that, mm. like uh, as he, as he imbibes these words, it's not a it's not a bad experience it's not condemnation mm. but it's reconciliation mm, mm. it's like coming into agreement with god alignment yeah where my heart agrees with the heart of god and as soon as that happens and this is what happens when we recognize how we have displeased god when we recognize those things in our lives that grieve god that um, attitude of penitence is the traditional word for that mm, brings us in line with god and and that becomes the access point through which we experience the grace of God, and that's the sweetness. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. And I, I love the two the twofoldness of the, of of the the application there mm. about you know the actual prophecy and the words that God is speaking to the people through through uh, Ezekiel. But there's also the application there as as a prophet of God. What yeah. was it like as a prophet yeah. of God, a true prophet of God, that God mm. gave him these hard words? Yeah. But when he when he Became the prophet when he yeah. when he took the words yeah. on. It was like sweet. It was like he was he was becoming aligned himself. Yeah, that's right. You know, as their own personal thing. That's right. So he's the yeah. first to listen. Yes. Really. Now this is in, this is important because it distinguishes biblical prophets from other forms of uh, pro- prophets, other types of prophets, I should say, hmm. in the ancient East, of which there were plenty. Hmm. Now most. Other prophets were what we would call diviners. You know, they practiced uh, this Divination. thing called ecstasy. Oh, okay. we'll ecstasy, which yeah. is cutting animals open and, and, and examine the, the entrails. And, yeah. and so they were diviners. They would divine the the omens and the wills of, of the gods and, and w- whether they should do things. And they were always paid to do that. It was an impersonal sort of process. There was no sense of connection really uh, with the god. Um the the gods that the kings hired they would have been kind of like they would have been like that diviners mm. they would have been paid there's a sense with the biblical prophets of almost reluctance yes because they didn't get anything out of it materially <laughs> what they got out of it is that they walked with god mm. that's that's what they got they got yeah. god and 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 um you know this is and that's their message ezekiel, as well yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right ezekiel is not just one of those prophets who's doing this for the money and just divining some will in an ab- the will of the deity in an abstract sense yeah he is becoming the message he's embodying it's yeah. deeply relational yeah. and it it is actually remarkable how different uh ancient jewish prophecy biblical prophecy is to that around it, it to is the cultural re- norm of the to day. To the t- cultural yeah, norm, it's yeah. remarkably different. And you see, when God speaks in the Old Testament judgment about the prophet, the yeah. other prophets, <clears throat> it's usually about 
exactly that yeah. finances yeah. financial gain yeah. doing it That's for right. the people yeah. not for, you know yeah. not in relation to him yeah. um we we then move on to um we then move on to a, 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 you know an incredible part of um you know God's teaching Ezekiel which is you know about the hard hardness he makes a massive point about this as a rebellious people yeah. you're going to be speaking to a rebellious yeah. people you know the prophecy mm. for back in Jerusalem yeah. they're hard hearted people uh and he he assures uh, Ezekiel that you know quite a few different promises as a prophet. Mm. If you don't speak my words yeah. to them, your blood's on your hands. Yeah, but if you do, you you're free and easy, yeah. buddy. Even if they don't listen, because yeah, that's it's about right. my relationship yeah. with you. And he goes on and talks about his heart, you know, the hardness, and goes on like that. These type of thoughts over the years have been can i say misapplied for us sometimes yeah i can i can remember i remember uh hearing someone i'm i'm not sure who it was as a young christian me as a young christian hear this applied someone saying and i mean this is what i heard whether they yes. were saying that i yeah. was filtered through yeah. uh uh through where i was at perhaps but uh, you know, this message came through to me that if I don't go and tell people about, you know, and warn them and yeah. preach the gospel to them, then their blood's on my hands. And yeah. so I went off desperately yeah. in a guilt trip. Yes. There's nothing worse than Christians going out talking about Jesus to uh, satisfy guilt trip. Well, yeah. I, I did that. And, man, I, I even went door knocking. I, I was like hard, hardcore because mm. mm. I, you know, and – um, cause I was wearing this, yeah. uh, and, and it was really, a, it, for, for me, it was a misapplication of what this is talk, talking about. Now, if you, can I just point out there, if you feel led to door knock out of, oh, a, out of a freedom sure. and a yeah, love, yeah, yeah, sure. you know, great. We're not, not, I mean, not the thing is actually, I got into some great conversations <laughs> and, and some still, great things. God can still come use out that. Of that. Yeah. And yet when people meet someone that's clearly burdened by guilt trips, yeah. I, I just, I wonder whether they're going to look at. Look at you and say, "Oh goodness, as if I want to be like you." <laughs> like, it's very yeah, offering yeah. the panic. Uh, um, so, so this is a you know, this is a this is God saying to this is the extension of the idea. Even if they don't listen, you speak, yeah. right? Yeah, because that's your responsibility. This is about your Ezekiel's responsibility. Mm. Focus on your responsibility. If um, once you have done what I've told you, you. you mm. You've done what I told you, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and your your blood is isn't on there. Uh, mm. You know, it's it's not. Uh, I guess it's it's misapplied. Look, I think any part of scripture when it's used to give some kind of guilt trip and propel mm. us to do something mm. out of a guilt trip, I, I prefer to say to put it rather than God pushing us out to do things, He's drawing us into something that He is already doing. Mm. Which is a wonderful liberating thing because as day to day I make myself available to God, mm. I have a sense of stepping into things that God is already doing rather than being compelled by a, a guilt trip. But my responsibility is to focus on the things that God wants me to do mm. and not to be rushing off doing everything else yeah. because that's that's the key. I only play one small part in a much bigger picture. And, and, and that's we, how I take I, I, it. I can't agree with you more, more there, Matt, because this is, I think this is the, 
we might get lost for the trees in the forest yeah. here, but the you know the overall picture in this chapter in Ezekiel is is about God calling Ezekiel into a relationship with him. Yeah. And that's the point of these promises and that's the yeah. point of these like oaths that he's sort yeah. of keeping. He's 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 assuring Ezekiel for the hard road that's about to yeah. happen. You stay in relationship with me. Yeah. I will sustain right. you. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. you know, and that's what God calls us to do. Yeah, that's right. Not not out of yeah. a not out of a panic there. Yeah, it's good. Um now God then calls Ezekiel to do some pretty weird stuff. I know. You know, like pretty quickly yeah. he's called to shave his beard, which yeah. would be very shameful in that culture. Yeah. He's called to, um, you know, lay down on one side for a certain amount of days and another side on another days. He's only allowed to cook certain food. He's got to use human excrement as yeah, his, that's right. as, as the burning of the food source, which is all disgusting and like horrible. Yeah. Well, it's it's intentionally so because it's meant to get people's attention. Mm. Now, you know, a small community uh, who are speaking their own language. I mean, they were a small, you know, relatively small community. Three, exile. Yeah, three to four you know, thousand they, people there. Yeah, and so uh, they were all in touch with each other. Word would have got around very quickly. Yeah, you know, and Ezekiel was one of the leading peoples. So, uh, what's Ezekiel doing? <laughs> I mean, uh, he's. He's got this model of Jerusalem yeah, he drawn builds, in clay. Yeah, he builds right? a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's building siege ramps. I mean, what is he playing? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And so it, it would have immediately drawn a crowd. Uh, and, and then he lies on his side, right? For a whole. Over a year. Yeah, yeah for over a year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lies on one side yeah. and he is, uh, he's bound up. I mean, the poor guy. Yeah. I, what a, what a ministry. Hey, let's be a prophet. You know, you're going to lie on your side yeah. for a whole year, and this would have had a big impact. Ezekiel is lying; he, he, there, there he is. Mm. So for a whole year, there is this foreboding of what's going to happen, of this siege that's going to take place uh, in Jerusalem. So God's saying, just so that you know, this is about you understanding that I have said this is going to happen, and it will happen. Mm. Mm. Uh, so because. God wants his people to listen to him, listen to what I say, mm -hmm. because what I say comes about. Mm. So, um, and this would have probably got back to the people in Jerusalem too, because mm. they were able, they were able to have communication. Uh, so he's enacting these message. It would have really got people's attention, even him shaving his head. I mean, mm. you know, this is a, uh, this is a act. I mean, people often, when they were shamed, they shaved their uh, they, they shave their heads. Uh, so again, what's Ezekiel doing? Ezekiel shaved his, and he's he's out and he's throwing some of it to the wind and he's burning some of it. And he's cutting other with the sword, mm. and he, you know he's doing that before an audience. Mm. And so it's demonstrating God's message. Mm. This is this shows the the lengths to which God is going to to get through to His people, mm. and He's using Ezekiel mm. uh, to do this. Um, you know, God will use you to speak into people's lives mm. and it will often be on the other side of convenience <laughs> that he will do that. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. not always going to be a comfortable oh, uh, ride. It's not a comfortable and ride. Yet the ex the, and yet the experience of being used by God in the plan of God is one of the most wonderfully exhilarating experiences. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great principle here as well as when we look, you know, the other principle and you bring it out in Thrive is that, when we are in relationship to God and when we are obedient to him, yeah. that 
our very life, and it's a graphic illustration yeah. for, for Ezekiel, yeah. but our, our very life, what we what he calls us to do day to day in relation to yeah. him, we become the message. Yeah, we That's right. Yeah. You know, just as Ezekiel was the message, yeah. we become the message in our life. I think that's a powerful idea. It is a powerful idea. And, and this flows out of this eating the scroll experience because yeah. he does become the message. He, he embodies it. Uh, he enacts it. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful... Um, vision of what, because ultimately the, the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak about the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, God's people mm. to enable them to be the messengers yeah. uh, to the world. Well, well that, that leads us beautifully as we, as we close out for these first 10 mm. chapters of, of Ezekiel here, yep. as we get, begin through uh, Thrive. This, and, and it's what we talked about right at the beginning, is this concept of the Spirit yeah. being a new way of thinking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, like the Holy Spirit had been talked about as part of, you mm. know, the person of God, you know, as being the power and the, and the, you know, the, the, the source and all these different types of ideas. But there's this new relationship being yeah. talked about the Holy Spirit That's and right. what he actually does. And we see it time and time again within Ezekiel's life that it's by the Spirit that, you know, he says, Son of Man, and, he, and the Spirit lifts me to yeah, my feet. Yeah, you know, and it's a wonderful spirit, vision, yeah. Yeah, and there's, you know, Son of Man, and he's, you know, he's here, and yeah. Son of Man, he's there, and it's by the Spirit. He, Ezekiel makes a great point of saying that it's by the Spirit that all these things are happening in his life. Yeah. And then out of that, all these prophecies That's right. I, I love that imagery, actually. God speaks to him, and then the Spirit lifts him up. Yeah. It shows that, you know, when God speaks and when we hear, uh, there, there's... There is not just information, but mm. power that comes with that power mm. to actually genuinely change and uplift us. Mm. And I think this is one of the reasons why we actually don't listen, mm. because if we're resistant to change, then and we and and uh, intuitively we understand that if I allow God to speak into my life, that mm. is going to begin a process of change. Well, if we don't want to change, we're not going to listen. And yeah. um, and there's a wonderful picture, I think, that idea of the Spirit of God entering mm. and lifting Ezekiel to his feet. And, of course, that then connects with the Valley of Dry Bones later yeah. on in 37 yeah. uh, when uh, God breathes, when he actually says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the dry bones. Mm. And when he prophesies to the dry bones, the spirit or breath, mm. same word ruach in Hebrew, yeah. spirit and breath, enters them and they then stand to their feet. Yes, so it's a yeah. wonderful connection, yeah. that imagery with chapter 37. It's another one of these. Um, I love the thematic uh, or themes like threads yeah. through different stories. Oh, great. Yeah. And we and we see this, this idea and this thread being woven through Ezekiel about the spirit of God. So as you're reading, you know, as you continue to read through together as we read through Ezekiel, be mindful and just make a little mental note. Like, what's the spirit doing here? Yeah. How does Ezekiel yeah. talk about the spirit? Yeah. What's he? And and you'll get a better picture of what the Holy Spirit is. Yeah. Because I think, obviously, depending what tradition you come from, that person of the Godhead, that person of God, yeah. becomes very misunderstood yeah. Yeah. about what yeah. the Holy Spirit does, his yeah. function, yeah. you know, and and how we are to interact with him. Fantastic. All right, let's change gears um, and let's talk a little bit of uh, Q&A uh, yes. about these first 10 chapters. Uh, we've, we've got a couple of questions that have come in, uh, you know, for, for this passage here, uh, for these passages here in Ezekiel. So um, from, uh, from Leah F., 
we have some great questions uh, that has really, um, you know, made her go back and think. Uh, she says, some of the passages in Ezekiel about God seem contradictory in terms of his character. In chapter 9, uh, it seems to suggest that God is responsible for the deaths of many of his people. For example, she says in, in verse 9, it says, uh, you know, then God said to me, this is Ezekiel speaking, of course, the guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood and the city is full of injustice. For they say, the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. And then he says, I've seen you and I'm not going to spare what's, you know, what's going to happen here. Um, so her, her question there is, you know, is this out of character for God? Is this this is really harsh to our ears? It is difficult, isn't it? You, you, it is harsh to our ears, and this is where I think it's important to recognize, uh, to recognize in that the grief of God in this. This is not just, this is not God getting His own back mm. or, or something like that. This is God in His grief saying that you have chosen you have chosen to go the wrong way, and with that comes uh, consequences. And um, and he's wanting to spare them at all costs. He's wanting to spare them those consequences. But in the end, we get what we choose. Mm. God has given us the right to self-determination. We, we choose our fate. Mm. Um, and, I mean, God's sovereignty is working over and above that. Uh, we know that. Um, well, this, this leads perfectly, and I'll throw this question in, because the second part of the question, Leah had a two-part yeah. question, is when the she says, when the Bible says that God will kill all of these people or inflict yeah. his punishment on them, does that mean that God initiates this himself, <clears throat> or is it that God leaves yeah. his people and the punishment is a natural consequence yeah. of, of nature? Well, um, it is, it's kind of both those things, uh, but... Um, they, in, in rejecting God, they are going the way of the world. Mm. And in a sense, they suffer. They suffer what actually happened to everyone else. To be honest, mm. under the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, everyone else copped it. Mm. Now, um, it didn't have to, if they would have listened to the prophets, it didn't, that didn't have to, they didn't have to suffer like they did. Mm. And, and so, in a sense, it is, a nat- it is very much a natural consequence. Um, but God is giving them over to this. So, so there is very much the active activity of God. And you see this in Romans chapter 1, Paul speaks about they did these things and God gave them over mm. to the very things that they chose. Mm. So there is a sense of natural consequences, but there's also uh, there's also this sense in um, in God delivering them up uh, to those consequences. Now, he refers to Babylon as the rod of God's anger. Um, and yet, later on we find that Babylon are judged and because of what you did to my people, mm, right? Mm, mm. So I think both of those perspectives uh, are important. So God, he doesn't like what the Babylonians did, mm. and yet he's going to give his people up to that because actually this is what, this is what they chose. Mm. Uh, they chose the way of the world mm. instead of the way of God, and when you choose the way of the world, you reap what you know. You, you reap what it, is sown in the world. It, it's also it's also one of those classic dilemmas that we have in Scripture over and over again when we start talking about God is that He's outside of time and space. Yeah. So we get these like tenses begin to be mixed up, or yeah. the way the perspective of like He's like I'm going to do this and I'm going to use it, like and it's like but He's outside of it all. 
And so when we, with our little feeble mind, try to grasp, hang on, he's talking about it before it happens and then after he's talking about this. But it, it's all, you know, yeah, it, I mean, am, I, am a, I just thinking about it well, too much there? Yeah, that, that's uh, that's difficult to, to conceive, but it, it is true. Mm. Sometimes uh, people have a tendency to think big, on the basis of passages like this that the God of the Old Testament is somehow different to the God of the New Testament. So mm. the God of the Old Testament is this angry, because of, of the number of writings of the prophets that mm. declare these kind of things. Mm. Um, but you go to the book of Revelation and boy, oh boy, you have the same sorts of themes there. Mm. Uh, this time in terms of ultimate judgment, that ultimately we get what uh, we ultimately we get, we get what we choose. Mm. And there is an ultimate sense of justice in this, but you sense God's, earnest, earnest desire to turn people around, you know, and him doing everything that he possibly can to turn people around. But uh, but in the end, he honours the authority that he has given us in the first place, in his sovereignty, mm. um, to decide uh, on our fate. And yes, in some paradoxical way, the sovereignty of God mm. from outside space and time is working through all of this in a way that we can't conceive. So it's full of, it is full of, uh, throughout the text, we need to understand that all of this strong feeling is totally motivated by the love of God for his people and his desire to save humankind because, of course, these people were meant to be the messengers. So there was a responsibility. He's particularly desperate. I mean, he's prepared to do things in that generation to save countless subsequent generations. So there you have it, episode one of Thrive Deeper in the Can. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Matt and I enjoyed having that conversation. Now, our hope is that as you go through the book of Ezekiel, as you go through the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, you can make notes, you can jot down ideas and questions as you go, and you can let us know about them. You can do that by going to thrivetoday.net.au. That's www.thrivetoday.net.au today.net.au. It's a great place to bookmark because we have got a lot of ideas, some other great projects coming soon from the Thrive Network. So make sure you listen on at the end of this to Benita, the wonderful voiceover lady, as she tells you more ways to get in contact with us and how you can jump on our Facebook page. All right, this has been your host, DJ Payne. We'll be back very shortly with another episode of Thrive Deeper. Thank you so much for your time. for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive.